The Old Testament reading is taken from Psalm 121. You will find it on page 622 of the Church Bibles. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. The New Testament lesson is from the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, which can be found on page 1177 in the Church Bibles. Hear God's word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words would be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. May God bless to us the hearing and the understanding of God's holy word. A number of years ago, archaeologists excavated Martin's Hundred. That was a settlement near Jamestown, Virginia, the first permanent English colony in America. In 1622, Martin's Hundred was the site of one of the worst massacres in the history of the English colonies. On the morning of Good Friday of that year, 67 settlers were slain by Indians of the Powhatan tribe. In the course of their excavations, the archaeologists gained some useful insights into why the Indians, so primitive in the eyes of the Europeans, were able to wreak such destruction. 
One of the interesting discoveries at Martin's Hundred was a collection of armor brought from England. It's armor of the highest quality, strong and heavy. It's ornate with fine metal engravings on the best forged steel. However, from all the archaeologists could tell, the armor was lying abandoned at the end of the massacre. For all its strength and beauty, it proved useless in warfare against the Indians. In Europe, that fine armor was crucial to winning battles, but in Virginia, the Indians fought a different battle. They relied on stealth and cunning and quickness, a kind of warfare in which the English armor was of little use. In fact, it was a burden. Its weight hindered escape from the swift and agile warriors. Its bulk made it almost impossible for a soldier to hide in the brush. The heavy helmets made it impossible to hear the crack of a twig or the rustle of a leaf that might warn of an approaching enemy. The settlers at Martin's Hundred were well prepared for an attack against the French from across the Atlantic, but they were defenseless against the neighboring tribes. The letter to the Ephesians tells us to make sure we wear the right kind of armor for the battles we fight. Frederick Beekner points out that we're really engaged in two different battles in life. One is the battle of conquest, a battle to claim our place in the sun. It's a battle to be noticed, to thrive. We spend lots of time and energy preparing for that battle. We gird our loins with the wisdom of the world that teaches us it's brutal out there. The gods help those who help themselves and charity begins at home. We take up the breastplate of self-confidence. We put on our feet the gospel of success that teaches you you can get anything in the world if you want it bad enough and are willing to fight for it. We take up the shield of security that consists of money in the bank and a marketable skill. We put on the helmet of attractiveness and personality. We wield the sword of wit. All of us wear that armor, but there's another battle we're engaged in, in which all that worldly armor is an encumbrance. This is a battle of liberation. This is the battle that Ephesians describes as our struggle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That adversary is often hidden, and we can be so involved in that other battle for our place in the sun that we miss this one altogether. But it's a battle that goes on all around us, and the consequences of it are far more important. Those cosmic powers, those spiritual forces 
of evil or what lead people to do things that horrify us. Last month, 35 bodies of victims of genocide were carried through Srebrenica, the Bosnian capital, to be reburied with their families. They were only a fraction of the thousands who were massacred in the Balkan Wars of the 1990s. The world was stunned when people who had been living together peacefully as neighbors for generations turned on one another and committed unspeakable atrocities in the name of nationalism and ethnic identity. The powers of evil at work. Those are the same powers that turn good intentions into evil consequences. When bishops in the Roman Catholic Church learned that priests in their diocese had been abusing children, they wanted to save the integrity of the church, so they reassigned those priests without reporting them to the authorities or taking disciplinary action. Well, they thought that they were trying to do what was good for this church they loved, but in reality, they were doing it incredible harm, not to mention the harm they were doing to the victims. The powers of darkness blinded them to what was right. The consequences have been devastating. There's not one of us who doesn't struggle even in our own lives with these cosmic powers. There's some of us who badly want a relationship to work, but no matter what we do, we just can't live with the one we want to love. There are some who find themselves gripped by an addiction or a compulsion, and there's no power inside of them to release them from its tyranny. Almost all of us have a picture of the kind of person we want to be, but keep falling short of what we want in our heart of hearts to be like. There's something holding us back. And the stakes of this spiritual battle are so high that we can barely fathom them. That's why we so often ignore it, skip over it, pretend if it's not really something that concerns us and lose ourselves in that battle for success or survival. It's easier to focus on that other conquest. But this spiritual battle is about the direction of all creation, whether that is toward love and peace and building up, or toward hatred and destruction and death. It's about the fate of our souls, which side will claim us, the forces of death or the forces of life. The armor with which we equip ourselves for our battle of conquest in the sun, our battle to be the best in the eyes of the world, is useless in this battle. In fact, it's an encumbrance. It's like the armor the settlers used at Martin's Hundred. God gives us what we need for that battle of liberation from the forces of evil and death that try to claim us. This is not an armor that we construct. 
It's not something we acquire through hard work or study. It doesn't consist of human virtues that we nurture, but of Christ-like qualities. This armor is given to us by God. For this battle of liberation, God gives us the belt of truth. That truth is Jesus Christ. The truth about who we really are, what it really means to be human. The truth about who God is. His cross is the truth about what evil is. A power that put to death our Lord. A power to be taken seriously. And that cross is also the truth about the love of God that is stronger than death. That overcomes the lie that death is the last word. That deception, that the grave is our ultimate end. God gives us that belt of truth. And God gives us the breastplate of righteousness. Wearing that armor, we're able to stand up fearlessly for what is right and good and just. We can follow the words of the prophet to let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When doing what is good and right seems too great of a risk for that other battle that we're fighting, when being fair and equitable and loving puts that other battle of conquest for our place in the sun in jeopardy, this breastplate of righteousness lets us stand courageously. We know that God's goodness is stronger than everything else that can hurt or divide us. So we don't have to be afraid to do what is right. God gives us the shield of faith to quench the flaming arrows of the evil one. There are consequences for engaging in this spiritual battle. Jesus is clear that it involves taking up the cross and following him. He doesn't want us to follow him unless we understand the price we have to pay. And the price we pay is our lives, our old lives that are committed to that battle of conquest, of getting ahead before all else, of relying on what we have and what we know instead of Christ. Temptations to go back always come along. They come in the most beguiling ways. Faith is what keeps us on course, trusting that Jesus' words are true, even when everything around us is trying to convince us that it's not. And this battle for liberation is not a defensive struggle. It's not something we just try to make the best of so things don't get any worse. Christ enlists each and every one of us in the work he was called to do, the work that he sent us to do, to bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, give sight to the blind, free the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He gives us shoes so we can proclaim the gospel of peace, scripture so we can know who we are and who God is, the community of faith to support us and guide us, prayer to 
lift our hearts up to God and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He puts in our hands the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We were each and every one made to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And we all long to be part of something significant. You don't have to come to church to know that. When my kids were teenagers, they received a recruiting solicitation in the mail from the Army National Guard. And on the cover gave the invitation, become part of something greater than yourself. One of the dangers of growing up and maturing is that we squelch that youthful learning, yearning to be part of something greater. We get caught up in our battles of conquest for our place in the sun, and we forget we were made for greater things. One of the great gifts that God gives us adults through the youth of our church is that constant reminder that we're part of something more. And that as we move forward in this life of faith, God gives us each a part in proclaiming that gospel of peace, in doing the work of God. Now this battle for liberation will end. Christ will come and put an end to all of our divisions, our hatred, our greed, our wars. He'll complete what he started at the beginning of time and what he affirmed when God raised him from the grave in glory. In Christ, God gives us the whole armor of God so we can stand forth as we follow Christ in that battle for liberation, as we walk toward freedom and justice and love. And so my benedictory word to you as you enter this new stage of the journey of that uh, struggle for liberation that you listen carefully to Andy as he instructs you, guides you in how to wear that armor, how to wield those weapons of peace, and how to do the work of Christ that together all of us share, that we lean forward toward as we await that day of reconciliation and peace. To God be all glory, honor, and praise now and forever. Amen.